Chapter 33. Abiyoyo. How? What is that? Ayana shoved me forward. Stop yammering and fix it. You called him. You send him away. The giant shadow of Abiyoyo was stomping around the back of the stage. It swiped at the ancestral spirits trying to claw their shimmering forms. Don't worry, I called out. It's just a... An arm slashed down viciously and Ayana barreled into my shoulder, sending us tumbling. Deep claw marks gouged the obsidian stage where we'd just been standing. Just a what, flyboy? Ayana grunted as she stood up. Just a story? I shook my head in disbelief as Abiyoyo roared another challenge. The elders tried to flee, but they seemed tethered in place. The ridge folk surrounding the stage scattered left and right, fleeing back to the safety of their homes. Tristan, Ayana shouted, do something! Do what? I yelled back. My hands felt like they'd fallen asleep with the story still tingling inside of them, and I shook them as I searched for a solution. The charms on my bracelet jingled. I could definitely use their help now. Wait, Anansi's story thread. I could still feel it, the rhythm. Normally it faded after I finished shaping a story, but now electric energy still pounded up my spine and down to my fingertips. Abiyoyo's story wasn't complete. Gum baby, let's go, I shouted, picking her up and setting her on my shoulder. Then I sprinted across the stage toward where Abiyoyo stalked the Amakira. The Amakira held her beaded skirt off the floor and circled the stage in a half run, keeping the ancestors connected to us as Abiyoyo chased her, stomping and clawing as he went. I dodged between ancestors, apologizing as I ran through their ghostly chairs and stools. Someone joined me, and I glanced over to see Thandiwe joining the pursuit, her spear drawn. Why doesn't she break the connection? I shouted. Can't she, I don't know, hang up the spirit phone? The Amakita continued to speak in her humming voice, naming the elders and their lineages. She hopped over one of the guards, Kiris, and dashed to the other side of the stage, all without losing concentration. Impressive. Gum baby, I shouted, still running. I have a plan. Can you slow down the monster? Gum baby ain't. The feet. Throw sap at its feet. On cue, the giant tried to stomp on the Amarkira. Gum Baby made an O oh face, then saluted, flinging sap everywhere. Oh, Gum Baby understands. Gum Baby picking up what you're putting down. She smells what you're cooking. Gum Baby hears. Gum Baby, just do it. Oh, right. She hopped off my shoulder and cupped her hands around her mouth. Hey, Dusty Feet, down here. Yeah, right here, big boy. You like stepping on folks? Step on this. Sap attack. Sap splattered across the stage, and Gum Baby cartwheeled away. Abiyoyo slowed to a stop, frustrated by the Amakira's surprising nimbleness, and his beady eyes swiveled toward the tiny loudmouth. He lumbered after her, but when a blurry foot stepped into one of Gum Baby's sticky traps, he was caught fast. I saw my chance. Hey! I shouted. The rhythm tingled as I pulled small toddler-like shadows from the corners of the mountain. I dressed them in glittering clothes made of silver dust and sent them skipping around the giant's ink-black feet. What are you doing? Ayana shouted, cowering under a rocky ledge and cradling chestnut. 
children? You're sending children against a giant? Trust me, I said. Do you remember how to keep him away? Tristan? I'm serious. Abiyoyo strained, and with a wrenching twist and another roar, he pulled free of the sap. Thondiwe stopped short behind me. Um, it was... Oh, elders, help us. It was the lullaby. She snapped her fingers. We sang it every night. Right, I said. More and more shadow children danced out of the corners of Isinlangu. They pranced and whirled in circles around the stage. I gasped from the effort and dropped to a knee. We need everyone in the mountain to help. It's the only way. Everyone? Thundiwe asked. Everyone. You all spread the word. I'll keep him distracted here. Before Ayana and Thandiwe could argue, I ran to the center of the stage. The little shadow children parted before me and then followed, skipping along. I hoped this would work. Abiyoyo, I shouted, my hands cupped around my mouth. The giant paused his efforts to scoop the shadow children into his mouth. Abiyoyo. Every time I shouted his name, he flinched like hearing it caused him pain. Abiyoyo's story is pretty simple. Parents make their children sing his name softly over and over every night before they go to bed, and then it's lights out. Don't make a sound. If you don't obey and go to sleep, the hungry giant will stomp to your house and steal you, and he won't be taking you to play hide-and-seek. More like fry and eat? You get me. I was betting everything on that lullaby. The shadow children linked arms and danced in a giant circle around the stage with a second circle and then yet another inside of the first. Each ring moved in a different direction until a dizzying black and silver spiral swirled around us. It left the two of us, the giant and me, face to face. Beady silver eyes to handsome, intelligent brown eyes. Super sharp silver teeth to, well, I brushed my teeth pretty well most nights. Anyway, Abiyoyo spun around with a confused roar. He probably couldn't choose which kid to snack on first. Before he made up his mind, I had the shadow children cup their hands around their silent mouths. Now, Ayana, I shouted. High above us, Ayana clung to Thandiwe's back as they rode up through the mountain on the warrior girl's forebear. At my signal, Ayana waved frantically at people's doors, and Thandiwe called to them. None of them opened. Abiyoyo roared a challenge and stomped toward me. His silver claws scraped stone as he stretched out to grab me, and drops of black drool sizzled as his mouth opened wide to swallow me whole. I flinched out of reach. Abiyoyo! Claws the size of my arm barely missed slicing me like a loaf of bread. Abiyoyo jerked away as the mountain echoed with his name. The shadow children continued to spin in circles, and as soon as I realized I was still in one piece, I sent them twirling faster and faster. Abiyoyo! This time, my call was echoed above me. Boys and girls stood in their open doorways and shouted at the giant. Even some of their parents and grandparents got into the act. Abiyoyo! The giant backed away, but my shadow children kept him hemmed in so he couldn't escape. They leaped onto one another's shoulders and swarmed him as now the entire mountain, ghostly ancestors, ridge folk, mid folk, and a boy from Chicago shouted the giant into submission. 
Abby, yo, yo. With a final roar, the giant splintered into a million tiny fragments of darkness. The mountain folk erupted in a giant cheer. I sagged onto the stone stage floor. The shadow children scampered like kids, chasing bubbles, hunting down every last piece of the monster and clutching it tight. They bounced over to me, hopping up and down with pride, and I chuckled wearily. Yeah, all right, y'all did good. No, a voice said behind me. Ayana leaped off the forebear as Thandiwe came to a stop. They both ran over, whooping and hollering along with the rest of the ridge folk. You did good, Ayana said. That was amazing. Thandiwe smiled and punched my shoulder. Not bad, thief. I smiled and pretended my shoulder didn't hurt. Thanks. Ahem. Someone cleared their throat and we turned to see the elders gazing at the shadow children. Oh, right, I said. I closed my eyes and concentrated, willing the children back to their homes in dark corners and under the moonless sky. With a rush of air like a balloon released from your hands, the tiny silver and black toddlers skipped away until only one was left. It waved at Gum Baby, then dove into the shadow of my leg. That was great, Tristan, Gum Baby crowed. Did you see that giant fall back? He was like, oh no, don't. Y'all too strong, especially you, Gum Baby. You're really talented and should be cheered. Rah! I grinned and Ayana shook her head. Chestnut hopped over and she and Gumbaby excitedly recounted what had just happened. The elders and the Amakira gathered around and everybody grew silent. Your efforts were admirable, Fazil said. You have proven yourself to be a true Anansasem, perhaps a bit more than was necessary. But because of this, it is clear to us that the midfolk need Nayami's treasure. The chief elder stared grimly around the chamber. If childhood stories can be corrupted even here, at the top of Isinlangu, that gash in the sky is indeed a threat to us. Bring the story box. At his command, two guards zoomed upward on their hoverboards. Thank you, honored ancestors, I said, bowing low. I won't let you down. As we waited for the guards to return with the box, I rocked back and forth on my feet with excitement. Finally, after searching for so long, we were close to being able to fix the damage I'd caused. Once we snared Anansi and convinced him to close up the tear in the sky, the gods and heroes could work together to defeat the iron monsters once and for all. Then it was back to my world. Within just a few minutes, the guards emerged from the crowd, gliding on their forebears, carrying something covered in cloth between them on a little stretcher. The chief elder nodded, and the guard set the object down in front of me. Well, go on, Anansasem, he said. Behold your prize. The story box awaited. I grinned and reached for the cloth, and a sudden electric spike shot through me. I whirled around. Something had just stepped onto the stage. No, someone. Tristan, what's wrong? Ayana scrunched up her forehead in confusion, but I couldn't explain it. A person had stepped out of nothingness and stood behind the ancestors, watching us, watching me. His face was obscured by the hood of a long cloak, and I swallowed as he began to make his way over to me. Who was this? Another story I had forgotten to dismiss? 
I racked my brain trying to imagine who I might have called into this world. Tristan, aren't you going to... I'm afraid he can't rightly do that, Miss Ayana. Not at all. The smooth voice had notes of sadness and joy, like someone getting ready to laugh or cry or both. It made me want to dance and shout, and I could hear tinkling instruments somewhere in the distance as the man stepped into view. He was large, taller than me, but not quite John Henry's size. Once he pushed back his hood, I saw that he had a smooth brown face, dimples that threatened to pull out a wide smile, and tight curly hair so black it shone. He winked at Ayana and said, But I'll take it, sure enough. I'll take it and be on my way, if it pleases you. The energy rippling off this dude was jaw-dropping. The tingling sensation I normally got in my fingers now stormed through my whole body, like just being near him would make every story funnier and more memorable. Who are you? I squeezed out through gritted teeth. Powerful or not, I wasn't giving up that story box. Not now. Not after everything the crew and I had been through. No way. No how. Oh, the man actually had the nerve to be surprised as if I should know him already. And everyone did seem to know him already. Ayana's mouth was open so wide I thought I might trip over her chin. Chestnut trembled as the man walked to center stage to grin cheekily at me. And gum baby, well, sap gum baby down and stick her to a wall. Is that who I think it is? The man laughed, a bright and contagious sound that had me smiling along before I could catch myself. Well, if it ain't GB, how's it flowin'? Wait, I interrupted. You all know this guy? Ayana nodded, but it was Gum Baby who answered. Sure do. One of Gum Baby's best students. This is... My name, the man said, is John. But... He held out a hand. You can call me Hi, John.